people are looking for deals. That's not a COVID story or an inflation story. You know, it's just a, at this point, it's a holiday tradition. Hi, I'm Daphne Howland. And I'm Ben Unglesby. We're senior reporters with Retail Dive, and this is our podcast where we break down the biggest industry news and trends. And talk about some of the things that don't always make it into our stories. This is The Backroom. But first, a word from our sponsor. Grin, the world's leading creator management platform, helps you automate everyday influencer marketing tasks, track and analyze campaign performance, and level up your creator relationships. Learn more at grin.co. That's G-R-I-N dot C-O. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Backroom. I'm Daphne Howland, and today I'm with Danny James, who is someone who pretty much saves my reporting every morning and through her editing of my features and my news stories and does a ton of reporting on in her own right. You've been noticing Danny's byline for several months now. Today, we're going to talk about holiday 2022, which was supposed to be a lot smoother than it has been in the past couple of years. And it's kind of not turning out that way. Danny, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks for the kind words, Daphne. Well, no, thanks for, you know, saving my <laughs> copy every morning. Of course. So let's start with a story you wrote covering the NRF's predictions for the holiday this year. A lot of you listening will have already experienced Black Friday and will know how that went. We are recording before Black Friday. so. All we're privy to right now is the predictions that we've been covering. But Danny, what did the NRF have to say? The NRF's holiday report was pretty positive. I guess that's the big takeaway there. They were forecasting, quote, healthy holiday sales. Um, They said even in spite of kind of the macroeconomic environment we're in right now, specifically, they're kind of anticipating for the holiday season, sales growth will be 6 to 8% compared to last year which is slower growth than, you know, of course, what happened last year. But I don't think that's much of a surprise. I think the interesting thing was just that they felt sales will still be healthy, even accounting for inflation. And that's not quite what we're seeing in some other reports. There's a, I think Deloitte, especially their holiday forecast was not quite as positive when you consider inflation. So I feel like inflation is definitely the big story A lot of households, especially lower income households, as usual, whenever there's any kind of economic challenge, lower income households, you know, immediately have to regroup. So people are having to spend more money on gas and food and inflation has been pretty stubborn. We're recording at a time when there was a a little bit of a sign that inflation is easing. So that's good news. But I I'm seeing in a lot of surveys that it's not just inflation. It's not just that people have less money to spend on discretionary things. It's that the discretionary things they're spending money on are not necessarily retail. People are planning to travel more. They couldn't do that during the height of COVID. And even last year, if you remember, Omicron was the big news. And I think a lot of people pulled back on some of their traveling. So if you're shelling out for plane tickets or something, or all the gas that you're spending driving to grandma's house, maybe 
the gifts don't have to be quite as many, quite as expensive. Yeah, I think what you're touching on is pretty accurate to the point. I think even during um, the NRF held a press, you know, Q&A about the report and something they touched on was kind of how travel is much more, you know, back in fashion for this holiday season than last year and how they saw that as a potential I guess you could say um, obstacle or negative just in terms of spend for that exact reason. They also mentioned because of travel and because we're seeing, you know, data points to shopping in stores more this year, just the nature of um, the weather could have a decent impact on sales depending on how it goes. Because they were looking at forecasts that are saying it's going to be a lot colder, a lot wetter this year as well. There's always e-commerce to save that day. Although, you know, the closer you get to December 25th, the less appealing it is to try to chance things with an online order. Are you hearing a lot about what retailers are doing as far as encouraging sales? Yeah, I think, you know, with covering tech and the innovation beat for the team, I'm seeing a lot of a bigger emphasis on discounts this year, um, even from non-traditional retailers. So a good example of that would be Google. They've been ramping up, you know, how their shopping page, their shopping tab operates for the past couple months in anticipation of the holidays. And something they've added a more visual indicator of deals to the shopping page so that it's easier to see and understand what the discounts are on certain products you're viewing. And more so than that, they're expanding their deal comparison tool. So they've made it easier to compare across different retailers for the same product, different products within a similar category. And Walmart has done the same with their mobile app and desktop page this year as well, with um, adding a more green, larger deals tag to different items. That just strikes me as a direct blow to Amazon. I mean, probably what it really is, is a response to how people shop, but still it feels like it takes a little bit of wind out of Amazon sales. That kind of happened. There was all this talk about Black Friday was going to be really early this year because there was a second prime day at Amazon really early in October and Target especially came out, I think, right off the gate. They must be keeping a very close eye on Amazon because they were ready for that answer to the second Prime Day. But I mean, it's not like Amazon didn't do well, but they didn't do as well as people thought. And I don't know if that was a function of October 7th is just a little too early for people, for most people to think about holiday shopping, or if maybe the competition is stepping it up against Amazon. Yeah. Amazon has been ramping up, you know, making their deals more visible as well. I know a month or so ago, they revamped their discounted Prime account, which is for people who are within a certain um, economic threshold, make below a certain amount of money, people who are on Snap. They've made deals as it pertains to that group of people much more visible. And it does seem like Google, Walmart are trying to compete with that as well. And just on the topic of lower income shoppers, because I think you mentioned that a moment ago, there's been some other reporting, I want to say from Deloitte as well, where they've done studies looking at lower income budgets for this season versus those who are of a higher income, their holiday season budgets. And interestingly, higher income 
respondents in their survey had said they plan to really spend quite a bit less than last year, whereas lower income shoppers are anticipating to spend, I think, the same, if not more. But perhaps that's just a reflection of anticipating higher prices. The funny thing about super high end income groups is that I think a lot of times it has a lot to do with the stock market is doing. You know, if you're just a regular person with a job trying to make ends meet, you might hear about the stock market, but you're not necessarily. And, you know, plenty of people have are involved in the stock market on some level. But I think super wealthy people pay close attention to their portfolios. And I think it can really affect what they buy and how they buy. So even when I think when there were some Wall Street dips, you saw more wealthy people turning to things like off price. They might still be looking for those super high end goods, but they might be going to the outlet shop instead of directly from the brand. So it'll be interesting as November wears on and and December, depending on what stocks are doing, that could really influence retail at the higher end. Yeah. And I think the point there is perhaps just that it seems like most socioeconomic levels um, on the high end and the low end are all thinking about discounts this season or, you know, making sure they do get a deal on whatever they buy, which is probably why a lot of these retailers are just ramping up visibility for those discounts. Whether those discounts are actually going to help consumers considering inflation this year, I can't really say, though. It's funny. I mean, just as a consumer myself, just in my emails from whatever brands send me their stuff, I feel like the discounts at this point have been pretty steep. That's what Black Friday is all about, is the discount. I mean, you know, we're we're hearing about people going into stores. I think that might help because I think probably shopping in stores is more fun. And if you're having fun shopping, you're probably more likely to buy something. It's sort of just the retail mentality, I think. But people are looking for deals. That's not a COVID story or an inflation story. You know, it's just a, at this point, it's a holiday tradition. Right. Yeah. And as a consumer on my end as well, I've been a lot more keen to look at, you know, how much of a deal the deals actually are this year, considering everything. And I know at least, you know, in the beauty space, which I tend to like shop a lot for this time of year, a lot of the retailers are keeping their steep discounts similar to last year. So personally, haven't seen too big of a jump from what Black Friday usually looks like in terms of discounts and percentages. Right. We're going to take a quick break to hear from another one of our sponsors, and then Danny and I will be right back. 91% of retailers report that return rates are growing faster than revenue growth. Download the new Incisive and APRIS Retail Report, Returns as Engagement Strategy, to learn how AI can help you engage shoppers at the point of return to build loyalty, reclaim revenue, and reduce the cost of returns. Download at APRISRetail.com. Okay, so a lot of people have debated Black Friday, does it matter anymore? How early does it start? But we don't talk about Cyber Week as often. Yeah. And I mean, I think the question there is what even is Cyber Week at this point? As a consumer myself, I don't personally think of Cyber Week as something in and of itself anymore. But a lot of what I've been seeing, especially with the DSE brands that I follow, 
they've already started deals online starting like, you know, a week ago for their e-commerce sites. So the cyber deals have already started, I guess is my point. But I know some of the data we've recently reported on said that a lot of shoppers they surveyed are planning to really shop the weekend following Thanksgiving, not necessarily right on Black Friday, but that Saturday, Sunday. And if I'm correct, Cyber Week is typically that whole week after, right? Yeah, exactly. I I mean, I think this is a reflection of the fact that people shop online when it works for them. I'm sure the marketers are going to tag the word cyber onto the emails for Cyber Monday and Cyber Sunday or whatever the cybers, but Black Friday is probably just the term that's going to stick on retail forever. Whether you're an online brand who only sells online or an omni-channel brand or even just a mom and pop shop that doesn't even sell online, you're going to use Black Friday as as the signal that it's a holiday sale. Yeah. I do wonder, kind of given some of the higher inventories we've been seeing just leading into the season, a lot of retailers trying to get as much out as they can because they have so much extra product. I do think of Cyber Week in general as kind of like a way for retailers to offload all the extra stuff they had hoped to sell on Black Friday. So perhaps we'll see some extra deals that following week that people will want to pick up on. But yeah, a lot of the data is pointing towards people doing their shopping just a little bit before then. And, you know, they shop online whenever is most convenient. And then when it gets late, once your deadlines approach, you know, I mean, whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas, whenever you need those things for that day, that gathering, that gift exchange, you're not ordering your stuff online. You're you're going to the store so that you can have the people behind the counter gift wrap it for you and have it ready when you walk through the door. The inventory point is interesting because I talked to one analyst at Forrester, Brendan Witcher, who disputes that it's as widespread of an issue as we're being led to believe. That probably affects discounting at certain retailers. As a consumer, it it means, you know, you might be seeing bigger discounts at some places than others. You're not necessarily going to know what the reason is. But that then becomes a story for us in January, especially because that's when the returns happen too. Yeah, I definitely, I could see how at least some retailers are probably more equipped inventory-wise for the season than others. Well, and, you know, then there's the the way a lot of retailers were solving some of their inventory snafus. Supply chain has been such a nightmare for the past two years, at least. And honestly, I think it's been a little surprising that supply chain was still so terrible all this year, because here in the U.S., thanks to vaccines, people had kind of normalized their shopping habits. They were shopping back at malls and shopping back in stores. But the back room is very much still affected by COVID. And China is still really struggling to keep factories open and keep the lines running and all that stuff. And so supply chain, chain, you know, remains a problem. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I have a friend in real life who is from Shanghai. She is visiting for the first time right now in years since pre-pandemic. 
And she's just been posting a lot online about like how intense the restrictions are over there still. And it kind of just reminds me, you know, how ingrained obviously our supply chain is with China, despite the US and even Europe, I mean, really being a lot more lax with restrictions this year. But that's just not the case in China. They've still got pretty strict policies that I think end up having a huge impact on warehouses, especially where there's a lot more people. And then the flip side to that is Ukraine and Russia has had a huge impact on the supply chain. And from the retail lens, I've seen that mainly in the jewelry sector this year, just because Ukraine and Russia are huge diamond and gem exports for us. And that's had a huge impact on pricing for jewelry, which is obviously a high value ticket item for the holidays. So yeah, unfortunately, the supply chain just has other issues still going into this year. Well, one thing I think as consumers return to shopping, and it it really sounds like this year is going to be a really strong brick and mortar shopping holiday or holiday shopping season, that might mean fewer returns for retailers because, you know, it seems like e-commerce is an invitation to returns, whether you're selling online. I mean, if you buy something online, the chances of returning it are just so high. So with more brick and mortar shopping, perhaps fewer returns, but that doesn't mean that returns aren't still just a big thorn in retailers' side. Yeah, I agree with that. And there's a couple of things just on the returns topic, which is some of the data showing Consumers are looking to purchase more apparel this year, or that's one of the categories they're really focused on. And I just feel like with apparel, the return rate must be huge most of the time, especially if you buy things online. But yeah, it's happened to me a few times where I've gotten like gifts of clothing from grandparents and they just don't fit or they're not my style. So huge moment to potentially have a lot more returns in that regard. But just to your point, more returns or not. Um, I think a lot of what we've seen in the past couple months is retailers, you know, especially on the larger end of the spectrum, they're considering more and more charging for returns. And we've certainly been seeing retailers looking more at cost cutting measures. And I think that's a space where they're potentially trying to see a way to not lose as much money because it, it is costly to get that many returns as what usually happens in the holiday season. I have to say, though, the ease of return has been such a selling point in American retail for so many decades. I mean, if you ever shop anywhere outside of the U.S., you know that returns just are not a thing. I think it's this is something I'm going to be watching because I am really skeptical that kind of pissing off your customers by charging for returns is a smart thing to do. I can see if you charge maybe for the delivery, like if you're returning something online. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's big. Yeah. If you're framing it that way that, you know, you pay the shipping, uh, if you're going to return something that you could almost sort of frame it even as an environmental issue. Right. If done correctly. Yeah. And I, I mean, we've seen a couple of retailers change their return policy to be a little less lax this year. I know the big one, or the one that caused a lot of fuss was Bath and Body Works, if I'm correct. They used to accept candle returns, even if they were used. 
And now they've changed that, that they can't be used. And that upset quite a few people. You know, L.L. Bean did it for years. They were famous for taking back pretty much anything. And they changed Mm -hmm. that policy a few years ago. And it was because of, it was so easy for people to even buy old L.L. Bean things cheaply on eBay and stuff. And then they would go to L.L. Bean and get a return or exchange it for something else. And they just felt like they had to put a stop to that. But, you know, if you listen to the people over at Nordstrom who famously accepted tires as a return that they had never sold, and it's a true story, if you you should look it up. And um, actually, they have their own podcast and they interviewed the guy who did the return at Nordstrom years ago. It's a fascinating story. And they will not go back on that policy because. Uh, they've basically been feasting on that story for decades now. And they just have, it just burnishes their reputation for good customer service. So, right. It's good press for them in a way, even if there's a high cost for doing that type of business. Yeah. So I guess you have to do that calculation, you know, how, right. How can we afford to lose the goodwill that a free return gets us? Yeah. And I think um, on the sustainability point, if retailers were to position it that way, you know, it's, you know, they're charging for a return perhaps because, you know, it ends up being not as good for just having excess product in the world. I think that might be a great way to go about it. It's funny. I was at Sephora over the weekend and I overheard an employee just reiterating like to someone else, a customer, that she could return the makeup if she ended up not liking it, even if she used it. And you got to think that can't be sustainable because obviously Sephora can't resell things in that way. So yeah, I think there's spaces where perhaps sustainability take could be beneficial for brands. I think that a lot of areas of waste that we see in retail, which is often affiliated with e-commerce, if you think about the ridiculous packaging, sometimes if you order something online, you order something small and it comes in a huge box stuff like that, that makes you cringe. If we let up on the speed aspect of, you know, have to get it next day, have to get it in two days. If retailers framed that in an environmental terms, which are real, it wouldn't just be a marketing ploy. Maybe people would be a little bit more patient or a little bit more thoughtful about their purchases if if retailers said some of that stuff out loud. One more thing I want to talk about, which is kind of related to sustainability, is just how popular resale is and the fact that people, younger consumers, are willing to give and receive used things for the holidays. And Danny, would you give or receive a secondhand item for the holidays? I totally would. And you know what a great example of that? personal example is, is my aunt in New York City one year gave me a hand-me-down, like secondhand, the take of Veneta bag. At the time, I had no idea what that brand was. Obviously, now I know it's like a high-end nice. luxury nice retailer. Gift. And I still have, yeah. I, I mean, at the time, I was like, okay, cool. But now I really appreciate it. And I think consumers who are, you know, in their teens or, you know, early 20s like me, secondhand luxury goods, I think there's a a good space for gift giving in that regard. You get it cheaper. It's potentially just as high of quality. 
And if higher income shoppers this year are tightening their budgets, as we've seen, then secondhand luxury goods, I think, is definitely a good gift giving space. But that's just my opinion. There was a great, really interesting study from WD Partners that came out just recently talking about how resale is, it goes beyond luxury, it goes beyond apparel or accessories. It's like electronics, furniture, people want it. And as you say, younger people, and I think probably in some cases, the fact that you're giving a secondhand item as a gift, birthday, holiday, whatever, for a younger person might be itself valuable, you know, like, uh, thank you for not getting me something new, because I'm, I'm sort of against that at, at some level. Or at least I appreciate that this is part of the circular economy. I mean, it used to be like offensive to exactly something you were given, right? So and I just feel like that attitude has really changed a lot to your point. So take note, retailers, WD Partners thinks that every retailer should have a secondhand section. So we'll be keeping an eye on that too. So I feel like, Danny, I don't know what, you know, based on your reporting and the stories you've been editing, we've seen a lot already in October, November so far, but December doesn't seem all that clear to me as the holidays unwind. Any insights into what the heck might happen in the next few weeks? Yeah, I think it's funny. I and you'll relate. I get so many Black Friday and Thanksgiving, Cyber Week, yada yada predictions, reports, and studies into my inbox every day, and it's felt like that for the past several weeks. And I've seen pretty much nothing about December. So, but we're seeing some strong data just about shopping around Thanksgiving, whether that's the weekend after Black Friday or not. But um. Yeah, I've I've seen very little. Mom is the word about December shopping. Yeah, so we're curious. We'll be following it, of course. That's probably a good place to leave it. That's all the time we have today. We'll be keeping a close eye on all of this as 22 winds down. And tune in for our next episode, which is our traditional end of year, new year episode with Doug Stevens, The Retail Profit. Danny, thanks for joining me today, and thanks everyone for listening. This episode of The Backroom was produced and edited by Caroline Jansen. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.